Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Support WrestleTalk! Give us a subscribe. Hey everybody, I'm John Cena. Hey, it's professional wrestler Colt Boom Boom Cabana. Hey, I'm Double J, Jeff here. This is Rich Swan, Matt Riddle, the King of Rose. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Do it, bro. Support Ollie. Support Luke. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Home of Luke Owen. Whatever WrestleTalk is and whoever Luke Owen is, both the Ravens. Nevermore. Hello and welcome to the Wrestle Talk podcast. I am Luke Cohen, and this week for the magazine show, I'm joined by Adam Pearson. Hello, Adam. How are you? I am very well, thank you, my friend. Pleasure to be here with you. It's looking very sunny where you are, mate. Yeah, I know, and I'm I'm at the back of I'm, I'm at the back of the house. So I'm getting all the really good sun. It's been a really hot day. In in general, so and it, I've had luckily I had a lunch meeting today, so I got to <laughs> dip in the sun and eat steak and discuss <laughs> important things like how do we run a poker tournament in a pub under the new normal. So yeah, <laughs> right, under, gonna... we don't. Let's dive into the magazine show itself. We'll have more from Adam in the outro portion of this podcast. But first, can Roman Reigns save the failing WWE ratings like AJ Styles seems to think so? Here is the show. So let's talk about Raw and its ratings. Um, I, funny enough, actually, I nearly did this as last week's podcast when we had SP3 on, um, because last week's Raw also did a really bad number. That one did 1.68 million viewers. The and the previous uh, record low before that was uh, 1.686. So, you know, we, we thought that maybe there could be something there. Raw's not been doing great. It got a 1.72 the week previous and a 1.9 the week before that. SmackDown also posted quite a bad number as well. But this week's Raw is the now new record low number, doing 1.56 million viewers. Um, but really, like, the, the, the good news for WWE is that the 18 to 49 number didn't drop, ne- drop nearly as badly, rather. But the actual sort of, like, the overall viewership uh, wasn't great considering that they've been doing so much promotion around having Randy Orton on the show, having Big Show, Ric Flair, doing this night of grudge matches with Seth and, and uh, Owens. 
and you know the 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 tag match that he had at the end with Kabuki Warriors, Bailey and Banks. But Raw again posted a, a number. So, like, I mean, what do you think Raw can do in order to sort of bounce this this number back? I I have no actual idea because I think the fact there's no live audiences there has a, a dramatic effect on how watchable something is. And it's all and I, I hate using this, it's all about people having having to adjust to the new normal. And particularly in TV, audiences like familiarity, they like their beats and their narrative arcs and their, their format points and and what have you. It doesn't help that they don't have the full roster there and available for, for various reasons, which we'll come on to a bit later, I think. And it's also at the moment, what was the build up to the horror show at Extreme Rules? I found the product, granted, fair credit to them, they've gone all in on the gimmick, but I found <laughs> it a little bit hokey, and wrestling's supposed to be hokey but not this hokey. I think a match where you win by gouging your opponent's eye out, which is literally assault. <laughs> and I, I, I know they're going to use CGI. I know how to separate the, the fiction from the reality. But it's, it is by far the weirdest match involving Rey Mysterio. And he once had a ladder match for custody of his child. <laughs> I do think that there is something about that eye for an eye match possibly jumping the shark and it sort of turning viewers off being like, you know what, I think I'm actually I'm, I'm just not going to bother with this because it is it's just a bit too silly. Well, we'll see how it looks. It's going to be a great the actual wrestling will be very good because it's Seth oh, Rollins yeah. and, and Rey Mysterio. But it's just the bells and whistles they happen to have wrapped it up with are just incredibly ridiculous. Imagine like if I was watching that and that moment happened and at the exact same time my girlfriend walks in. How am I going to explain this away <laughs> to my, <laughs> my non-wrestling fan girlfriend? And you're like, it's fine. It's, it's all... It, his son's an, an injury and, and steps and Seth thinks he's Jesus and <laughs> and I, I love you. Please, please don't leave me. <laughs> um, Melter had a really interesting point in The Observer that came out. I, we're recording this quite early uh, on a, a, a Friday morning. Thank you, Adam, for, for joining us so early on a Friday morning. Uh, I know you were up early. I know you were up early because you're excited for Paper Mario, but uh, thank you for taking the time to speak with us as well. But Melt had a really interesting point uh, with, uh, it wrote, with the Raw ratings declining so significantly, the Big Show versus Randy Orton match will air next week on Raw in an unsanctioned match. This does make sense because that match isn't going to add any network buyers, which is how you make money today uh, from pay-per-view. But after this week's record low number, Show versus Orton should avert coming even close to another record low next week at least they'd better hope for that because it will be scary if they put that match on television and don't get a significant improvement which is a really big like that we said it on the raw review me and ollie uh the big show versus randy or match being on tv is totally like a ratings grab thing it's being like you know 
ratings are in the toilet. Let's put on what is possibly the biggest match we can at the moment. And I'm really, I, I'm so surprised. I'm really into this big show, Randy Orton feud, just because Randy's doing great work. And I do think it might help Raw's ratings next week, massively so. Agreed. Um, we, everyone's always said when Randy Orton cares about what he's doing and puts puts his whole awesomeness into it, he's he's the best heel in wrestling when he can be bothered. And right <laughs> now he and right now he can he's absolutely bothered by this, and he's got Ric Flair backing him up, who's such a good character to to add to this. If you part the side as to whether it's safe to have a man of that age with those health problems in Florida during a pandemic, so I'm I think it will, I think it will be good. And Big Show's in like the best shape ever. He he left it until really late in his career to get into the best shape of his life. Yeah, he's looking great at the moment. There was a it was an interesting comment as well this week by AJ Styles uh, when he was interviewed. I'm not gonna. Uh, I mean, he was interviewed by a dirt rag, uh, the Sun, unfortunately. Um, but uh, he uh, he did have this to say to them, and when asked about Raw, you know, WWE's falling ratings across both Raw and SmackDown, and his comment was, "You can't deny the fact that Roman Reigns is one of the biggest stars in WWE. He is WWE. He's the guy." So to get him back would be a big help. And that's something that I don't think we've really talked about. Especially on this show, I don't know if other uh, podcasts have talked about this, but it's something that I've not really considered. We haven't had Roman on TV since WrestleMania. And since WrestleMania is when we've started to see these falling things. And I wonder if it is that combination of, as you say, the empty arena shows people like seeing familiarity and the shows don't look the same anymore. So you've got that combined with Roman not being on TV, who is WWE's biggest star. They built the company around him for the last five, six years. And him not being there probably is having a ratings effect. Completely. Whenever you lose your, your biggest star, people will invariably kind of either switch off or be less invested in it and be more likely to say, oh, I think I'll give it, give it a miss this week. And that time slot in, in the States is ridiculously competitive. So it's not as if people have to look hard for like an entertaining alternative. When you couple that with the, the fact that a lot of people are kind of cable cutters and can just go to the online streaming platforms to find something yeah. that can entertain them for, for those three hours. The loss of Roman was a really significant one, an understandable one, but a really mm -hmm. significant one. Do you think that, like, I mean, WWE have been known to really push to get people back do you think that they're going to be looking to bring Roman back in for this show? It's it's not they they've done it before. They did it with the leukemia, like when you know to to bring him back to just sort of like pop a rating and stuff. Do you think they're going to like reach out to bring him in for a raw ratings bump? I think they would be. I would be nervous about the PR that that would generate, saying, "Oh, Vincent Man brings back." Immunosuppressed father of two, Roman Reigns, in a bid to save dying ratings. I'm not going to put it past him. I'm just saying it's not the smartest idea he's ever had. No, it's <laughs> certainly not. No, but you're right. But I, I, I think in terms of WWE, PR probably isn't the first thing that's on their radar of like, hey, let's talk <laughs> about that now. 
No, um, no, we've, we've learned that from the Saudi shows, haven't we? Exactly, yeah. Um, okay, I mean, because we're recording this on a Friday morning, that means we get to talk about the ratings. Hey, EW and NXT. This is more, more numbers. Um, and it was a big win for AEW this week 788,000 viewers uh, for Fight for the Fallen, their best number since late May, uh, which uh, beat NXT's 631,000 viewers, um, which is the company's worst number since late May. Um, both did quite well in the 18 to 49, but it was a really, really big win for AEW in the 18 to 49 demographic. Um, and even the over 50s was uh, close this week between AEW and NXT as the sun comes in to shine on my face, look like a nuclear explosion's going off. Um, and it was an interesting week as well because there was the NASCAR All-Star race that was basically on at the same time which a lot of people thought was going to affect both shows. And in the end, it didn't affect AEW, but I think it massively affected NXT. So the, this is the first time AEW have won the, the actual, the real numeric ratings war. And I think three weeks, I think NXT had a yeah. really good run of stuff building up to the, the Keithley, Adam Cole uh, title versus title. And I think also the the moving John Moxley and Brian Cage back a week is what really helped helped boost mm-hmm. that rating. The show was great from start to finish. I, I love the tag match. I love watching FTR do tag team wrestling because everything they do just makes sense. Yeah. And as like a logically minded guy, when I watch um, Ray Phoenix do loads of flips and stuff, I'm like, that looks cool. But why have you done it? That's a highly uncalculated, illogical thing to do when you could have just stuck him in an armbar. <laughs> and, you know, I, I preferred AEW this week, so I think the higher rating is completely justified. So I also yeah, I... think we should focus more on the actual wrestling and less on an office, uh, just as well... fans in general. Yeah, I, I I do agree with you on that point. I I really like diving into the numbers. I, I think that that's why me and Ollie often get on so well is because we are we do like to sort of like look at, at these sort of factors. But, yeah, but I thought it was you know a really good week for AEW and NXT. You know the the positives to always look at this is that there's you know one and a half million uh, wrestling fans enjoying wrestling on a Wednesday night. I thought AEW Five for the Fallen was great this week. I really, really enjoyed it. I thought NXT was great as well. You know, you, you can't really go wrong with Keith Lee versus Dominic Dijakovic. Like, you cannot go wrong with that. And I'm just loving Io Shirai's work at the moment. I I adore Io. I think she's probably one of the best CMI wrestlers, not only in that company, but maybe maybe on the planet. Oh, and yeah. they'll need, and with Kari Sane leaving, they also need someone to fill the gap that they think that Sane's going to leave. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what else did you make of uh, Fight for the Fallen and uh, NXT this week? The Moxley cage finish was genius. Yeah. So clever. <laughs> yeah, like, it so, makes so great. perfect right? sense. The, the internet hated it because Twitter <laughs> hates everything. Though... <laughs> You know, it's Taz protecting his investment that's already had a five-month hiatus with a bicep injury that can't afford to lose another five months. And it's taken a short-term loss for a long-term gain. Lose the battle, win the war. There we go. Yeah, 
absolutely loved it. I, I was a big, big fan of that. And actually, though, looking at the the, the ratings pattern, the uh, the highest point for uh, for AEW in terms of that eighteen to forty nine demographic was FTR versus the Lucha Brothers. So FTR equals ratings. Take that, Jericho, parent demo god. Um, Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Do you like quizzes? Do you like wrestling? Do you like watching self-professed experts in their fields being exposed as dangerous frauds? Then you'll love Quizzle Mania, brought to you by Parts Fun Known, the team behind acclaimed wrestling RPG No Rolls Barred. Join us every week as four wrestling pundits pit their knowledge against each other in a cerebral wrangle for prizes, glory, and a bit of good old-fashioned escapism. Enjoy the videos live every Wednesday on Parts Fun Known's YouTube channel, or subscribe right now to have them beam straight to your mobile device. Quizzlemania, it's the showcase of the Immorons. Uh, but let's dive into the Patreon mailbag. If you've got a question for the mailbag, all you've got to do is become one of our awesome pledge hammers on Patreon at any dollar amount and leave a comment in the community section. Do not email me. I will just lose it. 
bad at my job. Our first one comes in from Abnahav, who says, hey, how do you feel about double champions uh, like Keith Lee and Becky Lynch? Personally, I'm not a fan of it. My reason is a championship can start a storyline between two wrestlers. If one person has both championships, then I feel only one storyline uh, one storyline is important, the other one gets faded. I understand championships are not required for storytelling, but they are a good way for it. Do you think, as a company, you shouldn't have double champions? It's from Abnahav. They definitely cut your booking options in half if you want to use a championship belt as as a linchpin of a refuse. And I'm going to be curious to see how they get one of the belts off Keith Lee without discrediting the fact that he holds the other one. Because no one's going to want to have a... Logically, why would I have a championship match with Keith Lee for the United States title? when I can pin the same guy in the same match to the NXT world title. So yeah. to a degree, I get that point. It's all going to be in sort of like the booking and and the nuance and, and what have you. So I completely get the point and completely agree. Yeah, it, it's you know we saw this with uh, Kurt Angle when he was Eurocontinental champion. I think that actually the way they got around that was quite smart. They had the two out of three falls match at WrestleMania 2000 with him, Benoit, and Jericho, where it was you know the first falls for the IC belt, the second falls for the European Championship. So I think that's kind of a good way to get around it, particularly because in that match, Kurt Angle lost both of his titles without getting pinned. So it's good for sort of character work. But I do agree, like like they gave Becky both titles last year. And then, like, you know, a month later, just took one of the titles off of her. So, really, what was the point of putting both belts on her in the first place? Mm-hmm. Well, that was just to hype up the first women's WrestleMania main event, just to put everything did, in it, there. Just, just everything. Let's throw <laughs> everything at this. Everything. <laughs> The only French guy that watches wrestling, Kano Mac, has said, Hey guys, obviously I'm a big fan of Big Red Mayor Kane, and I always thought that he should have won the 2001 Royal Rumble. My question is, how Kane winning the Royal Rumble and main eventing WrestleMania instead of Austin have impacted WWE and the Attitude Era? Keep up the great work. That's a really interesting... I mean, it was... As a big Kane mark, particularly at that time, I also really wanted him to win that 2001 Royal Rumble because I thought it would have been something you know, quite different. But really, the only guy that should have won that match was Austin because Austin Rock was the biggest match that you could have done for WrestleMania X7. So yeah, I, I, I don't think that putting Kane in that match would have been the right choice at that time, even though I would have loved it. But would you though? Because if Kane is in that main event, we don't get Kane, Big Show, Raven, triple threat for the hardcore title where Raven nearly takes the whole broadcast off air. That doesn't happen. Yeah, do you know what? You're absolutely right. So I'm actually glad that Austin won that match because otherwise we wouldn't have got the greatest WrestleMania match of all time. Uh, Johnny Garcia uh, says, consider this. If Dave Meltzer had never challenged Cody to fill 10,000 seats uh, for an indie show, AEW was never created and the elite signed with WWE. What storyline would you like to see? I would love to see a Bullet Club faction with Cody, the Bucks, Finn Balor, Gallows, Anderson, AJ, Page, Bloody Hell, Omega, and Adam Cole. Keep up the great work. Don't forget to check out my podcast, Wrestling Has Lost Its Way, Jam That Jam. So this is an interesting one. So um, actually, it's already been released. The WCPW Built to Destroy 2016 review with myself and Adam. And in that, Adam uh, was talking about Cody being backstage for, you know, WCPW show. 
And he said even then he could see that he was an entrepreneurial man who was protective of his brand and was probably already looking to start something. So I think you're, you're absolutely right, Johnny, that like without Dave making that tweet of being like, I don't think Ring of Honor can sell out a 10,000 seat show. Um, we might not have had AW, but I think even without that, Cody probably still would have had that entrepreneurial spirit. With that said, yeah, I w- would Kenny and the Bucks still have taken those WWE deals? Possibly. I'd have liked to have seen it. I'd have liked to have seen rather than I'd, I'd rather just like it to have been Kenny and the Bucks taking those deals and Kenny going on a singles run and the Bucks going on a tag run. But as a sort of trio friendship, I'm not sure I would have liked to have seen a big Bullet Club faction with sort of the, the 20 members that you've listed there. I, I'd be nervous bringing them in that way because that's the same way that they brought in AJ Styles and the Good Brothers, Gallows and Anderson. And they they just ruined Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. And I'm worried they'd, they'd ruin the, the Young Bucks. There's still an underlying, well, we didn't make that here attitude with, with WWE booking. But it's slowly, slowly fading out, but still permeates through through quite deeply. But the young the young bucks in WWE would be money. It would just if they were booked properly, it would absolutely draw. Can you imagine the young bucks versus DIY? Yeah, absolutely. I mean there were so many matches that they could have like yeah, an incredible list of dream matches. I'd have loved to see the Young Bucks versus the Street Profits. I think they'd have done some amazing stuff. Oh, I I want that now. <laughs> oh, don't don't do this to me, Luke. Don't gang all these things that can't happen. <laughs> uh, Bobby Ross, uh, he says, "Hello, so glad to be a cl- uh, pledge hammer. Can't wait for my t-shirt to arrive." My question is, who do you think is the more complete wrestler, Daniel Bryan or CM Punk? Ever since his 2019 heel run, I've got to say Daniel Bryan has done some really compelling stuff. But please, I can only encourage small discussion here. Can't wait to hear your takes. Uh, Luke, keep on being a greatly talented podcast. I'm sure whoever will have as your guest this week will be just as great. Thank you very much, Bobby, for your kind words. And I've got to uh, agree with you there, actually. I think, yeah, the most complete wrestler is is Daniel Bryan. Not wholeheartedly agree. On on, on definition alone, because CM Punk isn't wrestling anymore, (laughs) um, there's that. But I've been a huge Brian fan for for a while, even back in his days of American Dragon. I think he's just got a really solid technical skill set. He's he's good on the mic. He he can go heel, he can go face and do everything, everything in between. And also, he's just a really nice guy. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, uh, the reason why I was picking Daniel Bryan as well, I mean, as much as I love Punk, and you know, the Punk was doing some amazing stuff in WWE and outside of WWE, the Summer of Punk in, in Ring of Honor, for example, I, I think he done he's done great work around the world. But again, I was talking to Blompier about this yesterday for the Rest Talk podcast show on the Fight Network. We were kind of talking about sort of great ROH champions, and we just started talking about Brian Danielson. And you kind of go back to his ROH run, as you were saying there, and like, man, like the guy was untouchable. Like he was just every single time he stepped into that ring was just putting on the the greatest stuff you've ever seen. I really do think he is the most complete wrestler of this generation. He's just a really safe set of hands. Just like, oh, we need someone to, we need to put someone in the ring to make them look good and help build them from the mid-card to the main event, who should they be feuding with? 
Danielson. Yeah. Uh, Dustin, what do you guys think about turning Alistair Black heel, get him away from Seth and Ray, and set him up as Drew's challenger for after SummerSlam? Keep up the consistent content and jam that jam. Yeah, what do you think? Uh, Alistair Black turning heel. Book it. Done. The more (laughs) Alistair Black I get, the happier I'll be. A big fan, even before I came to WWE, I I was a fan. I remember NXT NXT takeover Blackpool, the first one when he made that surprise appearance. I was oh, like, was the, yes! the, UK, the UK Championship tournament, and he came uh, as yes. Tommy Ends, didn't he? Yeah, he actually he, came he as Tommy yeah, 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 yeah. Pat Pat came out and said something. I don't know, Jordy accent, wow. and I was like, was what's going to happen? And Tommy <laughs> End came out, and I was like, yes, get in. <laughs> That was it. Yeah, that was really, really cool. I completely forgot about that. Um, I mean, for my money, I mean, I, I'm all in on the idea of doing Black and Drew as well after SummerSlam, but I don't think you need to turn him heel for that. I think you could do as, as a babyface, babyface thing. And I think that'd be really cool. Claymore versus uh, Black Mass, I think is it sort of writes itself. I don't think you need to have one of them be babyface, one of them be heel there. But getting him away from the Seth and Ray stuff, I think is definitely, definitely a worthwhile endeavor. Uh, Dwayne the Gronk Johnson says, um, uh, my question for you guys this week is, what is your opinion on WWE possibly doing cinematic Hell in a Cell matches this year? Should they continue doing no fan shows in the autumn? Personally, I think I might give it might give Bray an opportunity to redeem himself after last year's disaster. Yeah, I mean, if we aren't in a, a period of time where we're getting fans back in arenas for Hell in a Cell, then 100% I can see them doing a cinematic Hell in a Cell match this year. And it gives them chances to do kind of retakes and pickups of things that might not have gone right first time. So that if it go because if it goes wrong live with an audience there, that's it. Like the, the Jeff Hardy, Randy Orton, Helen Cell, where Jeff just fell through a table of his mm. own volition for, for the finish. If they could have take, re, redone that and gotten the timings more more spot on and done some clever stuff with jump cuts and editing. That could have been a really good good finish in that environment. So I, I, I'd be all for it. At this point, anything they can do to differentiate their product. And, and they're operating under these very unique, difficult circumstances. And I, yeah, I'd be up for it just to see what it's like. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But risk is the embryo embryonic start of success and and awesomeness. So, yeah, roll the dice. Dylan from Cork uh, says, Top of the morning, lads. What's the biggest wrestling match result you've ever had spoiled for you? Mine is Daniel Bryan winning the main event of WrestleMania 30. I watched the show live up until Lesnar ended the streak, and I couldn't stomach the last two matches as I was so gutted about Taker losing. Despite telling my friend James that I hadn't seen the main event, he decided to respond by saying, Daniel Bryan won the match. Still not over it. What's the biggest match you've ever had spoiled for you? I remember the first time someone spoiled a match for me. And and it's a devastating moment. And I was quite young at the time. It was the six-man tag with Triple H and the McMahons. And Triple H was a champion against The Rock, Austin, and Taker, I think, were on the the other side. And it's the one where The Rock won. And my friend Matthew was like the biggest Rock fan ever. Kind of T-shirt, posters everywhere. Had like, bought the elbow pads. He and I, I was not a big rock fan. I was a Triple H fan, 
and we were going to, the agreement was we'd set our video timers, go to bed at normal time, record it and watch it after after school on, on Monday. And then he calls me really early on Monday and I'm like, oh, what's going on here? And he just goes, the rock! And hangs up <laughs> and I'm like, you, you jackass. <laughs> I think it was uh, I think it was Kane. I think it was the Brothers of Destruction and Rock in that main event. You're right, like the, yeah, the King of the Ring one, the the six man. Um, yes, yeah, yes, that was because Austin was still injured at that point. But actually, do you know what mine's around that same period of time? Because and someone mentioned it earlier, the Royal Rumble 2001. Because I didn't stay up to watch that show, and I went into school the following day trying to avoid you know the spoilers. And I told my mates, I don't want to know. It was on Channel Four. I've got it recorded. I'm gonna watch it when I get home. And yeah, dickhead sports it for me. Can't remember who it was now, but someone just did it just to be a dick. Um, Sterling Van says, uh, I know there's a lot of people out there uh, that feel that wrestling fans are too sensitive about storylines, but I believe there is some merit to the outrage over the Jeff Hardy storyline. It's bad enough with Seamus uh, already, but people haven't mentioned that Samoa Joe was in a similar storyline with Jeff Hardy. Jeff got arrested later that same year for the same things that were mentioned in the Joe storyline. They should just let the story go. Uh, uh, now they're doing the main... Uh, now they're doing... Uh, now they're doing now they're doing this story while pretending the Smojo storyline didn't happen. They're wrong for doing this story. Yeah, I, I think Pete had a, a great, great uh, rant about this on last Saturday's SmackDown podcast. And it's something that I didn't talk about when I did the Friday podcast, when there's, you know, the, the, the topic of are wrestling fans too sensitive about this? And that is that addiction is no laughing matter. And addiction doesn't go away, even if you do even if you do overcome those demons, addiction is still there. And all it takes is just that one thing to trigger you. And so, yeah, so that is, I think that's why there is that, that massive outrage to the Jeff storyline. I think it trivializes what, as you've rightly said, as Pete, I'm sorry, I'd have put in his, his rant last, last week. It, it's trivializing what is quite a, a serious thing for, for a lot of people. And so, and to do it, particularly to someone who has, and still to this day does wrestle with those demons is just incredibly crass, in, in my mm. opinion. And I don't want to sound like I'm being kind of snowflakey or, or contrary um, about it. And I'm assuming that Jeff has signed off on it himself and isn't doing it doing it under duress. But my personal opinion is not, not a fan at all. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, Callum says, uh, my question is about Impact Wrestling. Being a young fan in my late teens, it's only been in the last few years that I've really become aware and interested in the real life side of wrestling because you guys do such an awesome job. With this uh, has also come my growth and knowledge of the amazing wrestling happening all over the world in companies, not just WWE. And recently, I started watching and getting into Impact, the amazing talent and work they're doing over there. Consequently, I'm super excited about Slammiversary uh, this weekend. However, my knowledge of the history of Impact is limited. I was wondering if you guys could suggest your favorite matches from Impact's past and why you like them so much so I can check them out, keep up the incredible work, and jam that jam. Uh, I mean, obviously, the Slammiversary when Raven won the world title, that is, you know, I'm just going to uh, put that out there. And I think the obvious answer here is is the unbreakable triple threats, Samoa Joe, AJ yeah. Star, Christopher Daniels, just... It, it's groundbreaking stuff for for 2005 whether or not it holds up in with 2020 eyes and for a sort of young fan coming into this but like as a trailblazing main event it, it's just it's amazing stuff 
It's it's really good. The uh, Kurt Angle's pay per view debut against Samoa Joe and Genesis yep. holds up really really well. Ah, uh, there was a tag match. I can't remember what pay per view it was on, but it was the uh, Team 3D versus the Motor City Machine Guns. Yeah, 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 yeah. They had a great series, actually. Really, really good. Oh, good. Yeah. Yes, and and anything with the guns and uh, the young bucks who were going by Generation Me in in TNA is is also fantastic. Um, there's a lot of good stuff in in the older Impact. They get a really rough rap TNA, mm-hmm. but uh, the, the Raven stuff. Remember, he had a stable for a while. <laughs> he did serotonin. Yes, serotonin. Oh, so glad you remember. It was Kaz, so it was Frankie Kazarian and Matt Bentley, I want to say. Was it Matt Bentley? I think Alex Shelley was in it as well. There were three of them. Yeah. Right. Sorry, and I'm going to have to quickly Google this if, now. If they, if they balls up, he'd like come out and cane them. And it had this yeah. like really, it was, I know it sounds utterly cliche to say, but it was so Raven. <laughs> it was so over. Okay, so it was so he had two groups in TNA. I forgot the first one. He had the gathering as well, which was Julio De Niro, um uh Alexis Larib, who's more commonly known as Mickey James, CM Punk and Cassidy Riley. And then it was Maverick Matt. It was Matt Bentley. It was Frankie Gazarian and Matt Bentley and Johnny Devine originally. And then it was uh oh, he was going as Havoc and Matt Bentley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. WWE, the only place where Raven didn't get to have his flock. Same, shame, shame. Um, the other one I was going to mention, because you just reminded me of it then, talking about sort of great impact matches to go and check out, is actually it was only a, a last year, I think it was. It, it's um, LAX versus the OGs. So the, the LAX so that are in AEW now of uh, Santana and Ortiz versus the original version of LAX from sort of TNA's uh, early years of uh, Hernandez and Homicide. Those those were having some amazing, amazing matches together. Those are really, really good. Oh, such good tank. I, I love good tank team wrestling when it's <laughs> done well. And uh, I'm I'm really just for actual anniversary now. Yeah, yes, anniversary is this coming Saturday. Ollie's going to be doing a review of it on Sunday because there is probably going to be some ex WWE guys appearing on the show. Uh, Flame Inc. Live uh, says, Have you noticed that uh, a lot of female talent uh, is getting pregnant during COVID? Uh, first Becky, now Sarah Logan. And I'm sure that if when Kyrie Sen goes back to Japan, she, well, it's a bit of presumptuous to say that she will be with child. Um, is this wise for ladies to be doing it at this time? Uh, and I've got a sci-fi question if you want to debate it. If you had to put together a space war between the Borg from Star Trek and the Daleks from Doctor Who, who would win and why? Also, Luke, you're a nerd. Um, I, I, I don't think it's it's for us to say uh, if, if someone wants to get pregnant during this time, whether that's wise or not. That's completely their choice. And, and I'm, I'm very happy for them. I'm very happy for all of them. But, you know, for Becky and Sarah Logan and anyone else who is pregnant during this time, very, very happy for you. Um, on the sci-fi though which i'm very interested to hear your take on this the borg from star trek versus the daleks from doctor who it's a one-sided battle it's the borg from star trek they'll they'll use their technology and any good technology the daleks have that they quite fancy they'll just assimilate it it's not even close (laughs) i mean yeah you're absolutely right it's not really that close the borg the borg are too good they're too op'd in this situation um 
Abraham uh, says, hey, Luke, and uh, the other one. Funny how that works. Um, uh, this question might take long to answer, so I'm sorry, but I heard about the question from the going in raw. You're in charge of AEW, and Adam, you're in charge of WWE. You have three trades, one man, one woman, one tag team, to the other company. Who do you trade? For reference, going in raw, did Adam Cole, Eosh Ryan, the Usos for uh, Adam Page, uh, Britt Baker, and XLAX. So I'm in charge of AEW, and I get to trade for, one for WWE. So I'd like... Yeah, the Usos is a really good shout, actually. But I'm going to ask for Street Profits... And I'm go yeah, I'm gonna ask for the street profits. And I'm gonna ask for Asuka. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna ask for Daniel Bryan. So that's who I'd like. Okay, I, I will give you the street profits in exchange for Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Uh, okay, I'll give you that. I will give you Asuka. And I, I'm gonna channel my Vincent man in a in a businessman here. I'll give you Asuka in exchange for Brandy Rhodes. Ooh, I'll get yeah, I'll give you that. And oh I'll give you Daniel Bryan for hangman page. Yeah, I'll I'll take that. I'll take that. You didn't oh. take didn't take Kenny Omega away from me, so I'm happy with that one. Lovely stuff. Uh, Marcus Campbell said, um, including or excluding Chris Jericho, uh, it's up to you. Who is the best wrestler who also has a music career? Well, I'm not hugely into rap. I do like R-Truth's entrance music. Surely it's John Cena. He had a great uh, rap album. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'll hold my hands up here. I'm not the biggest Fozzy fan. I think Judas is probably the only good song they've ever done. Come at me, comments. Enemy, like all that remains, like they've had, you know, granted a lot of misses, but there's a few bangers <laughs> in amongst that quite extensive back catalogue. Uh, but yeah, do you think who's the best wrestler to have, uh, who's also had a music career? How many have there been? Not, not many. When I was living in Brighton, I was either at uni or my gap here, one, one of the two. Um, there was like this really kind of Dive pub called the Hobgoblin, in not not always in bad, but kind of something like, you know it was it's called the Hobgoblin. You know what it's going to mm -hmm. be like from from the name. And Lisa's band were playing there, <laughs> and, and we we bought tickets. We went just to meet Lisa, and the music it was there. That's, <laughs> that's the most constructive thing I I can say. The music happened yeah uh, I, yeah i don't think she had a particularly I, yeah i think there were people who were fans of it i was not one of those people though i nor nor was nor was <laughs> i but you know we met her after and we we had a chat um all all my friends fanboyed and i was like guys just play it just play it cool <laughs> don't don't mention the thing with crime time selling her panties to jbl mm. or any any of that don't don't if you bought a book to sign oh god and <laughs> yeah all all my friends embarrassed me that night um i think mickey james did all right did she she released a country album i think she's, um, got, a good, she's got a good voice on her 
Yeah, she's got really good voice. She's hanging around uh, TNA interesting. Hardcore country. Uh, Man Raj uh, said, um, can you see AEW uh, on their first live show with fans going ahead with the split of Hangman and Kenny? And also, if you've seen Dominion, what are your thoughts on Evil beating Naito for both belts? Seems like quite hot shot booking, which is unlike New Japan. So on the first point... Um, it depends on when you do the live show, because I think the thing with AEW is that they have got storylines mapped out in sort of like, a, you know, we are doing this point here, this point here, and this point here. So if the if the point when you get into live shows, that's not the time to do the split, I, ju- I don't think AEW would do it. But if the time is right to do that split, then I absolutely could see AEW. I think it, when you've got your first live show back, you want to do a big angle. But if the time's not right to do the Hangman Kenny split, then I I would wouldn't want to see them do it. Um, but I think they would absolutely do want to do a big big time like debut or return or something like that. And it's how how you split um, Kenny and Hangman? Just do it, and you want to do it in a way that's going to make a, either a really good poster or a really good trailer for for the blow off match. Like was was it you that was talking about doing the six man tag with one yeah. champion each team? Like that that's yeah. amazing. Like but like yes, please put it in my mouth. Put it in my eyes, put it in my mouth, put it everywhere <laughs> upon me. I am I am all in. Yeah, I've got to credit the person who came to the mail on Twitter. I should really give them the, the shout out, but I, I I can't remember who it was. Do apologize to everyone who suggested that to me. Uh on the subject of Naito and uh, and evil. While you, I, I don't think I would say that it was hotshot booking because I think New Japan needed to do something um, in order to get people talking about the products because they've not been around for, for so long um, during all of this COVID stuff. So they had to do something. And without Jay White, they needed to build a big time heel. And Evil was the guy they went with. And when I look at New Japan, uh, hotshot's never the thing that comes to mind because Gado will have thought this through. He would have said, like, we're going with evil and we're going to do this. Excuse me. We're going to go with evil and we're going to do this for the next year. So it may seem hotshot now, but with Gado, there's always that bigger plan. There's always a bigger plan in mind. And I'm so excited for that that plan. He's, he's such a great heel. And the tagline, everything is evil, is just, it rolls off the tongue. It's it's really clever. As someone who likes puns, I also greatly appreciate it. It's like they read Andy Jackson's mind and came up with that that tagline. Um, Ollie Davis, number one fan, best job in the world. Jordan says, um, Slammiversary is around the corner. What matches are you looking forward to and who do you think will debut slash re-debut? For me, I'm looking forward to Jordan Grace versus Deanna Perrazzo and EC3, Heath Slater and the Good Brothers to debut Hashtag jam that jam. Have a nice day. Those are the four names I would have said as well. I'm, I've said it on last week's podcast. Well, I'm thinking EC3 is going to be the mystery man in the main event. And I do think he's going to win the world title there. I can certainly see Heath Slater coming in and Anderson and Gallows debuting once the North retain over Callahan and Ken Shamrock. Completely, completely agree with all of those. I'm also going to throw, because there was that really cryptic video where they, they also showed a tank and an American flag, which is clearly mm. hinting at Rusev and Kurt Angle. And I reckon we'll get one of those. Oh, I didn't well. think about Angle, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. And he's and he's in, he's still in very good graces with with TNA, and mm. he's and arguably did a lot of his best work there. Oh yeah. So I, I reckon we get Angle. Yeah, Angle's not a bad shout. I didn't think of Angle because yeah, you're right because he's got such good ties to Impact Wrestling as it is. Um, but yeah, I, I think the the safe bets are certainly EC3, uh, Heath Slater, and Gallows and Anderson. Callum says, do you think Adam Cole will be one of the top champions by the end of the next year? So by the end of 2021, will Adam Cole be WWE or Universal Champion? I'm going to say no. As much as it pains me to say that, I'd like to see it happen, but I don't think it will. I, conversely, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say he gets called up, wins money in the bank, and catches it in in a heelish way. And we get Adam Cole, baby, as main champion. Yeah, I, I think they'd, they'd be silly not to. Because it's oh. clearly a safe set of hands from his NXT, like, what, 400-something day reign. And I, I also want to see it happen. The more Adams we have in place <laughs> of the prominence, the better this world will be. That's not my opinion. That's a fact. Well, I hope you're right and I'm wrong. Uh, Kevin says, I'm that lapsed fan that Tony Khan keeps talking about. I haven't watched wrestling in almost 20 years, but somehow stumbled on Sammy Guevara's blog, which led me to start watching AEW early this year. WrestleTalk is also my first ever Patreon subscription. Thank you very much. My question for the AEW podcast review is, uh, with the depth of the tag division in AEW, do you ever foresee them doing A, a tag team only pay-per-view, or B, once they get a second and TV show dedicating it to tag team wrestling only. Well, Adam, you're our big tag team wrestling mark. What do you think? Yeah, I I think doing a tag team only pay per view. What was it's a great idea to to the hardcore wrestling fans and those that like myself adore tag team wrestling. It might put other people off. So instantly you're splitting your audience. So uh, as a fan, yes, give it to me. So as a business decision it might not be the best one. A tag team only show would pretty much be the same the same thing, wouldn't it? Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of tournament. I think they should run a massive tag tournament to find yeah. but they do rankings anyway. I think I think the way AEW are running their tag division at the moment is pretty spot on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. I mean yeah, I think I would go for a tournament like, you know, sort of like a King of the Ring style tournament. You could do that as a pay-per-view, I suppose, you know, to crown like the best tag team in the world, although that's already been taken. That was won by Gallus and Anderson. Maybe they come in to defend their their honor of being the greatest tag team on the planet. <laughs> They've got a cup to prove it. Um, but yeah, like doing a whole pay-per-view of tag matches, it instantly brings to mind um, lockdown, like the TNA lockdown shows that they used to do, where it was like every match is a cage match, which on paper sounds great if you're a wrestling fan. It's like, oh my God, I love a cage match. But you suddenly realize when you get three cage matches into the show you're like Oof, actually i'm a little bit sick of cage matches now and then you, you yeah. but what tna ended up doing was adding gimmicks onto the gimmick and the, the show just started to become a little bit silly oh lethal lockdown how i miss you <laughs> my one favorite of, my favorite of those one of my favorites whatever was when jeff jarrett filled a guitar with thumbtacks and cracked the bit <laughs> in the head with it. it it was just like oh my favorite one in terms of in terms of silly uh, uh, gimmicks being added onto lockdown, was the the Team 3D 
Is it Team Three? I, I can't remember who they were against now. Where they did the electric steel cage. And it was LAX. LAX. That was it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had like the the sound effects and the lights were dim whenever they would touch it. It was so hokey. That and when they did the split of America's Most Wanted, they did James Storm and Chris Harris, and everyone was really super into that feud. So they put them in a cage. They booked them in a cage match and a blindfold match at the same time, and it was so rubbish. So I was rubbish. so disappointed with how that ended because normally in in that environment they they excel. Was it? it it's that really famous clip of the Hurricane Rana on the top of the cage. I think it, that's America's Most Wanted versus Triple X. It was Triple X, yeah. Ah, yeah, so 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 good. Well, let me throw this idea past you. What about a tag mm-hmm. AW a tag team version of the G One? Oh, okay, yes. Yes, that I'm into. That's a brilliant idea. That's a great idea. Oh, Adam. They could, they could run it for like three months, just put, you know, tag matches on their normal programming. Even though It's a good way to use dark to get the audience to tune into that because it gives it purpose. And then you have the actual finals and the title matches to bookend whatever pay-per-view you're leading up to. Adam, you beautiful genius. I love it so much. I'm going to be gutted if that doesn't happen now, Adam. You've ruined wrestling forever. Uh, Tom says, uh, hope everyone is well and being happy. Uh, It's not so much a question, but I had a thought. Um, I I might butcher this. I'm going to apologize because my Spanish is not so great. But Ciego is blind in Spanish. And Ciego Mysterio sounds kind of cool. So why not Don Dominic Ciego Mysterio? He could take the fall for his dad and have as much time as he needs, if any, off TV to prepare for the main roster. Meanwhile, Ray could put his career on the line against Rollins to get his proper send off. So, yeah, so basically, well, I think what Tom is just there is that Dominic is the one who gets his eye uh, extracted at the horror show at Extreme Rules. And then that kind of gives him a way to, to be on TV for ages to come back as the blind Mysterio. Oh, ah, the blind Mysterio. <laughs> if, I mean, it's a really good way of getting your diversity quota up, granted. <laughs> but is it the best booking on earth? I don't know. Yeah. That's my biggest problem with this whole eye for an eye match. How do you come back from that? No. Oh, I had my allies out, so I took a week off, and now and now I'm back, kind of in this John Cena-esque Superman-like way. And I'm all for Dominic getting involved in in the wrestling, the wrestling bits. And what I've seen of him so far, I've been I've been quite impressed with. I'm always stunned how much taller than his daddy is. Like oh, always yeah, he's huge. <laughs> Like, which, like, how tall is his mom? Like, that's my question. Like, who's his mom? Shaquille O'Neal. Like, <laughs> um, so our next question comes in from Lynn, who says, um, when Wrestle League has predictions uh, to do, can you do predictions videos for all of the events? For example, New Japan. Uh, it would be really helpful for those who have not, who know nothing about the promotion. Uh, it would put them, uh, it would put them at an unfair advantage in capturing the coveted first place on it in Wrestle League. So this is something that we have possibly talked about doing as sort of a Patreon only thing. Because the problem is. Excuse me. When we've done stuff for New Japan in the past, like we you know we've done uh, streams of the the Wrestle Kingdom and the G1 Supercard last year and and Dominion and stuff, is that the audience that the Wrestle Talk audience, the, the wider audience, 
isn't interested in New Japan. What they're interested in is WWE and to a lesser extent AEW and to an even lesser extent NXT. So, which means then that New Japan is an even, even, even lesser extent. It's the same with Impact and stuff. If we were to do an Impact Wrestling video, the, the views just wouldn't be there, which unfortunately means as a business thing, it's not really worth our time doing. We're, we're, we're just losing money on making the video. But as a Patreon thing, maybe it could work. And we're doing, we're, we're having a chat. Andy Datsun might be doing some, some more video work uh, for Patreon. So keep your eyes peeled on that one. It could be coming soon. Uh, Alex Kirkman says, uh, okay, don't laugh at me. I love Dolph Ziggler. I don't like the way he's been treated for pretty much his entire WWE career, but I honestly believe he has the potential to make it as a legit main eventer. I think he's capable of five-star matches and a legitimate lengthy title reign. All he needs is a rocket strapped to him, and I hand on heart believe he has the potential to be the next Shawn Michaels. I, do, I did say, don't laugh at me. My question is, do you think it's too late or do you think it will happen? For me, Alex, I'm afraid I think it's too late. I unfortunately have had to agree. And I'm also a huge Dolph Ziggler fan. I think if you look back at some of the matches he's had, they're, they're absolutely incredible. But I think he's just had too much stop, start, stop, start, stop, start to be credible to an audience at this point. And... Yeah, in a, in a different time, in a different universe. If he hadn't had that concussion after his first, when he got his first title reign, and that had more longevity, I think things would have turned out very differently. It's the old wrestling butterfly effects. Yeah. But one, one, one wrong move or one, one kick in the wrong place can just change someone's career trajectory forever. And I think that was the Dolph Ziggler moment. Yeah, it's funny actually. I was re-watching because uh, I was I was editing uh, my other podcast the uh, the other week, and then I add on in the background. Sometimes I, I like to have wrestling on in the background, and I was watching Survivor Series 2014 when you had that uh, Team Authority versus Team Cena thing, which Dolph Ziggler went through all to the end. You had the debut of Sting and everything like that, and I was watching that event, being like, "How did you not capitalize on this Dolph Ziggler thing here at this point?" Like, and and it, by that point, I thought it might have been too late for Dolph, but they just caught something with him all of a sudden. And then you look at what he did in 2015 and it amounts to nothing. And it's, that's, that's it. Like I, even if I I think you're right, Alex, I think that Dolph is always capable of doing some really great stuff. I just don't think WWE have ever had the faith in him because if they weren't going to do anything after survivor series, 2014, they're never going to do anything with him. No. And it's a shame. They got lightning in a jar. They forgot to put the lid on. (laughs) Uh, Owen says, um, uh, my question is, who do you think is on the brink of breaking into superstardom in the same vein as Drew was earlier this year? Drew before the Royal Rumble was definitely on the upper mid card and well protected. So it makes sense that he was the one to eliminate Lesnar. I'd like to see Chad Gable get a push like this, but he's nowhere near that position. Who do you guys think on the main roster could be in that spot, say, by next year's Royal Rumble? God, I'd love to see a big Chad Gable push. I'd love yeah. to see it. I, I, I love Chad Gable. I wanted him to be the hacker, which is the storyline that they've now completely dropped. Because it was meant to be Ali, and Ali got moved to Raw because he was annoyed with being ignored by Bruce Pritchard. Well, sucks to be you, mate. Um, I, I think he's moved back as well. I think he's back on SmackDown again. Ah, so maybe we will get him revealed as as the hacker because Chad, 
because Chad Gable was one of the voices in the hacker yeah. video. Um, I I really want a proper ricochet push. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. That's a really yeah. It, the the fact that you've got ricochet and you you're not pushing him into that sort of position is an absolute crime. I'm just gonna have a quick search for. Let's have a look. He's still under Mustafa Ali on WWE.com, and he is yeah. He's according to this, he's uh, on SmackDown. So got moved, got moved back. Dwayne Cooley uh, says, uh, this might sound weird, but I had a dream that John Cena and CM Punk had a career renaissance wrestling in Ring of Honor. CM Punk could be uh, a more realistic, uh, uh, although he is older and it gets likely that it will happen. But I want to get your guys' opinion on if John Cena was to do a Chris Jericho style ends to his career run and wrestle outside of WWE. We always thought Jericho would be a WWE lifer, but surprised us in 2018. I want to know, how do you think John Cena would fare wrestling in other promotions such as ROH, AEW, and even New Japan? He would thrive because John Cena is a really, really good professional wrestler and knows how to tell a story. And he would, he would get huge reactions no matter what he did. He's just, he gets such a bomb rap when people are going, oh, it's the five moves of doom. Like, have you ever watched a John Cena match? Like, there's, there's like way more than five moves. He's, he's always, he was always learning new things. He's was like the hardest working guy in that company for about a decade. Yeah. And I read a story that one time it was MVP went to Vince McMahon and said, give me the Cena schedule, I can handle it. And Vince gave him 70% of the Cena schedule. And MVP was like, I can't handle it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He would thrive anywhere. And uh, if if John Cena was to do that, I'd love to see John Cena, Hiroshi Tanahashi in New Japan. That's that's my dream match. Oh, I'd love to see it. Uh, Kid Gaskin, who do you think will be the first uh, AEW Triple Crown winner? So winning the World Titles, Tag Titles, and the TNT Championship. I'm going to go for my boy Kenny Omega. And Kenny's going to be our first guy. Oh, that's a really tricky one. Because I also had Kenny. But then I don't <laughs> want to pick the same as you. Because then that doesn't... Because then people in the comments can't... <laughs> Um, I am. I'm gonna go Hangman Page. Hmm, Hangman's a good shout. The other one I was gonna say was Jericho. I think Jericho's a, a possibility as well. Will, um, will he sit down though and take the TNT title when he was the first ever AEW champion? Hmm. Um, Marcel Jura uh, says, uh, if you had to cast a Street Fighter movie, including most of the iconic characters of the franchise, and you can only use wrestlers, who are you going to pick? Secondly, for Adam, are you familiar with uh, Waldmeister Woodruff? And wouldn't you agree that it tastes nothing like apples? Have a lovely weekend, guys. It does taste like apples, Marcel. It's time to get over it, mate. It's definitely an apple drink. Um, have you ever had it? I, I don't know what it tastes like because I've never ordered it sober. <laughs> Um, right, so to cast a Street Fighter movie, uh, Ken, I'm casting Kenny Omega. Really? Not Dolph Ziggler? I, I go with Dolph Ziggler. Oh, he has got lovely hair, hasn't he? He yeah. does, yeah. Yeah, he has got lovely hair. Um, Blanka? No, okay, I'm, I'm casting Rusev in the Zangief role. Guest snap in, correct. Um, 
Oh, who who would you cast? Who was in the Street Fighter movie? Because I know the game better than the movie, and I'm, I'm casting oh. I'm casting Street Fighter characters in the game that aren't in the movie. Well, that's, that, I mean, it's the same. That, that's what I would do as well, because that Street Fighter movie, you know, as much as I, I do love it, uh, you know, Kylie Minogue was not the greatest cami, although Raul Julia was the best bison. Um, God. Okay. So who would we cast as Ken? Who's a good Ken? Probably Zidler. Hiroshi Tanahashi. Who are you going to say? I was going to say Zidler for Ken, just because. Oh, sorry. He's... No, sorry. Yeah, I mean, I mean uh, Ryu. Who are you going to cast as oh, Ryu? Oh, wow. Ryu. Um, no, Tanahashi's a really good shout. Yeah, Tanahashi's a good Ryu. Uh, Bison is a good villain. I suppose it depends on what sort of ethnicity you want to put on Bison, really. Yeah, although, I know. He, although he wrestles in Thailand, I don't know if he was ever specifically said that he was Thai he from Thai. Yeah, I don't know if he was Thai. Mm -hmm. Um, so don't know on that one. Blank is an interesting I, one. He, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You want to paint green? I, I know. Oh, I, I had my um. Pete Cornell, who's Chinese moment. I was like, who's green? <laughs> <laughs> Are there any green wrestlers? Um, yeah, but in, in which case, to go the Pete Cornell route, we'll have Zia Lee uh, in the role of Chen Li. Um, that, 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 sure. that, that seems to be there for us. Nice. Nice. That's um... a really good question, Marcel. I'm going to take some more time on that one because I want to do that. Yeah. One. Unfortunately, we, we're running out, running short on time. Um, Tattoo Cooperman said, a question for Quizlemania champions. Who is the third Uso? Um, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> we'll maybe we'll never know. That was such a good episode. There were so <laughs> many, oh, there were so many reasons that video could be demonetized. It isn't even funny. And it did get demonetized as well, funny enough, for using a Wale song. Uh, Irakli uh, said... That was it. Not, that not was it. The... I'm going to go and take care of some agriculture over here. That wasn't... Nope. Nope. It was for using Wale's own music. Uh, Irakli said, who should be Moxley's next challenger? Ooh, that's a good question. I'd, 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 actually... I'd actually quite like it to be MJF. I think MJF's like the guy, you know, that you can talk about how he's, I mean, he's not ranked number one at the moment. I think Brian Cage is still ranked number one, but now that he's lost, that should open it up for MJF to get that number one spot again. And I think MJF leading into Wall Out, I think that'd be quite cool. I I like that again, but I can't agree with you because we need those comments to come in. Um, I'm going to go with Vance Archer. Hmm, yeah, that's a good shout. Yeah, yeah, I really like that actually. Uh, okay, uh, we've got Exo Jailer saying since the MMA four uh, since the MMA four horsewomen signed with WWE, they've been teasing that horsewomen horsewomen match, and all the women have been pushing for it. Um, my question is, do you think the match will ever happen, or will this join the likes of Punk Austin Taker Sting as dream matches that will never happen? Yeah, I'm starting to think it is a. I, I don't know whether I would say it's a dream match. For me, I would like to see it though, and I do think we are starting to get into that period of time where it's not going to happen. Yeah, well, because Becky's Becky's on on leave. I, was, I think Ron's is trying to to get pregnant, and I also think that of, of those eight women, I think two of them, 
just aren't as good as the others. I think there's a real disparity in inability, which is not a reason for it not to happen. And of course, that's what developmental's for. But I just think if you look at all the moving pieces and the timeline that they're all operating on, and much like you, I think it's just never going to actually come to fruition, unfortunately. Mm. Martin Harmon says, uh, wondering how, what you guys think about AEW and how they would be doing if they managed to air on Tuesdays as they originally planned, rather than having the Wednesday Night War. Would they have inherited the SmackDown audience? Would they be doing pay-per-view shows on TV? Do you think they'd be... Um, do you think they are better for having competition? Would Jericho be tweeting about the 18 to 49 demo? I still think they'll be tweeting about the, the demo because that's that's always been the most important business thing. Even before the Wednesday Night Rating Wars were a thing, the demo always was the most important part. I don't think they would have inherited the SmackDown audience, though, because I think that they would have been, that casual audience would have checked, would have tuned in, realized that it's not WWE or a similar product to WWE and would have stopped watching. But I and I do think they still would have been doing their pay-per-view TV shows because I think that was always part of their plan. They've got four big pay-per-views and you pepper these sort of mini TV pay-per-views in between them. No, I completely agree. And I I quite like the Wednesday Night War. I think kind of competition makes everyone better. And wrestling up until AEW and the Wednesday Night War sort of existed in certainly an, or, like an oligopoly, but it was almost like a WWE stranglehold where they could they could do what they want. And when you're the only gig in town, there's no motivation to be better. And Vince always does well when his back's against the ropes. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so uh, last question comes in from Dre uh, M. Best. I apologize if I've said that wrong. And it's a quite a long one, so I'll tr I will try and read out as much of it as possible because I do think you've made some excellent arguments here. So they say, I really enjoyed your review of AEW this week, but I have to disagree with your comments about the women's division. I'm not delusional. I know the division has had its issues. They frustrated me greatly in the past, but I honestly think right now the division has been more interesting than it's ever been before. I think there's a tendency for wrestling fans to develop a narrative about certain things in their head and then let it become a self-fulfilling prophecy. The narrative is the WWE doesn't do anything with its women's division, so anything that's not blow-away stupendous is taken as evidence that the division is uh, rancidness. Not saying it's the best book thing on TV, but I have noticed a willingness to kind of blow over any developments they do actually happen in the division in favor of going over the same points regardless of how applicable they are to the individual episode. For example, this week, Sheeta's promo, they set up two story elements. You completely skipped over the entire story of the Nightmare Sisters match where they kept disagreeing, arguing over tags, and generally can't seem to get along. And while you did give some time to Nyla Rose and Vicky Guerrero, a lot of that was taken up with the why isn't AEW divi women's division better conversation, which is a valuable conversation to have, but not to the expense of covering the actual development within the division itself. Later in the show, you also said there's nothing happening within division and said that they're, when they're not building to anything, there's clearly building towards Sheeta... Uh, Rose rematched it all out. Rose said she was going to get a manager to help her win the title back, even calling out Sheeta in that promo. Not saying that uh, you guys are bad or anything. I'm not even aware of all of these. I'm not even a fan of all these angles. Don't really care about the Nightmare Sisters. But I do think that uh, there would be a lot more to care about into the coverage of these segments if they were just mid-card male ex in the company, even if they were done in the exact same way. But since the narrative is that AEW doesn't put any effort into their women's division, its coverage seems to be the match's uh, perceived apathy. Sorry again, I am a huge fan. This uh, It just feels this aspect of the AEW's reviews have been bothering me for quite some time now. I think I've said my piece on this on, on yesterday's review. While I don't disagree uh, with some of your points there, 
it's it's a perception thing of the company like i don't think the company particularly care and one of the things that has been said about aew is that tony khan's a numbers man and the women's segments in aew don't draw the numbers so they're not putting the the same effort that they are and as i said yesterday yesterday's show the the storylines aren't as good like you know the nightmare sister storyline is not as good as hangman page and kenny omega you know that 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 but you know not many things are going to be as good as sort of hangman and omega but also i feel like there's more effort being put into this storyline than there is into this one over here there's way more effort being put into john moxley's storylines than there are Sheeda's. there are storylines sure but they're not there's not the same level of effort that's being put in for for my money anyway but i i mean I, as i said i I, I've, I think i've more or less said my piece on on this but what what do you think it's it's a cyclical um, debate, isn't it? That the numbers, Tony Khan's numbers guy, and those women's segments don't draw the numbers, so they put less effort into them. But because they put less effort into them, they aren't as good, which means they won't draw the numbers. And so yes. at some point, something has to kind of break that cycle. And what what that is, I I don't know. And thank goodness it's not my job to know. But I reckon, I reckon eventually, eventually they'll get there. Yeah, I think, I think given some time that they could get there. And I know that they've got some things working against them. COVID is obviously working against them. They have more of an international flavor to their women's division. They've got a lot of the Joshi girls who they can't get access to. They can't get access to, to some of the, the, the talent that they want. Which uh-huh. I I totally get, but as Ollie said yesterday, Big Swall is someone that you could have been doing something with, and they did a storyline where they suspended her. I know that's building towards the Britt Baker match, but you've also taken someone else off of TV. I think that AEW is actually in a very interesting position at the moment, where because you haven't got Britt Baker, because you haven't got Chris Statlander, all of a sudden actually you've got opportunities to start creating some new stars. I think that they were starting to do that with, with Abaddon the, a couple of weeks ago. You've got Ivelisse and Diamante on next week's show. There is stuff that you can start to do, but it's never presented. Like, okay, so the best way for me to put this is at this point in time, there is no chance that a Hikaru Shida title defense is going to main event a TV show because it does not feel like it should be the main event of a TV show. And that's part of the problem. Yeah, they've got all the ingredients to get there but they just haven't put it all together yet in a way that's going to be beneficial for, for everyone. So, yes. you know, they've got eggs, they've got milk, they've got flour, but they don't have cake. And I think it's important that, that both the company and our fans take time to step back and let the process happen. Let that kind of women's division bake-off moment happen. And then in the end, everyone gets cake. Okay, Adam, first question up on the docket. What made you a wrestling fan? Oh, I don't think I could pin down like a, a specific moment. Even as, as a, a young child, kind of primary school age, I'd always had a, a loose fascination with it. I remember Hulk Hogan's rock and roll wrestling was part of the, the Saturday morning TV schedule. And I remember seeing that and being fascinated by these almost larger-than-life characters. But I didn't really get into it truly until 1998. I think mm. the first pay-per-view I watched from start to finish, I went, yep, this is my, this is my life now, <laughs> was the, the Deadly Game Tournament. 
Ah, oh, Survivor Series, right? Yeah, indeed, indeed. Where the, the Rock went went corporate, and I think mm. it's this like form of, of escapism. I think we all turn to something to take us away from what can be quite a harsh reality sometimes, irrespective of, of what your background is and where you're coming from. And it's one of those like really rare forms of media that exists mm. that is like non-judgy, that doesn't judge you or tell you who you should be or how you should look or, or what you should do. You could just put it on and just have be mindlessly entertained for a few hours at a time. And so I always really got behind that. Uh, who were your favourites uh, around that period of time and sort of, you know, of all time? So around that period of time, huge Kurt Angle fan. And I, I'm, I'm like a, a rest of the characters were, were nice to have, but not like, like an essential thing to have. So I was always kind of Bret Hart, some Kurt Angle, when Chris Jericho debuted, I lost my tiny mind. <laughs> and then also as a, as a historic fan of tag team wrestling, guys like the New Age Outlaws, I was a huge, huge fan of. Yeah. And, we, and then in WCW, you had like um, Rey Mysterio, Billy Kidman. They were in a stable called the Filthy Animals with, with Conan and Eddie Guerrero, feuding with guys like um, Harlem Heat. Even the ridiculousness of Tank Abbott managing a boy band three count <laughs> was just hilarious. And I, I I pretty much was obsessed with the whole thing. I don't think I could pick like one favorite growing up. Whereas now, all about Kevin Owens. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I can't have you on this podcast without talking about Celebrity Mastermind. No. Uh, and you being on there, a celebrity mastermind champion, no less. Um, what what was that like? What was the process of, of getting onto the show? Uh, talk, talk us through that. And then the actual sort of being on the show itself. Yeah, no. So they they get in touch with people they'd like, like to be on. And they got in touch with my, my agent who emailed me and said, hey, they've been in touch. Um, are, are you up for it? And I was like, Yes, absolutely. That shows like a TV dynasty because I'm a big quiz fan in and of itself. So to be to be on it was like, yes. <laughs> and then you have to send like a list of special subjects you'd like to have a have a crack at. And so I think I sent my, my list of five were it, it read back awfully. It's the kind of thing you read back and shake your head. <laughs> and just think, why is my girlfriend with me? It was um, <laughs> it was WWE in the 21st century, Final Fantasy VII, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the TV show Gladiators, and Pokemon <laughs> the Kanto region. <laughs> and, I mean, were you glad you got the WWE one? I, I was. That was the one I was most confident with. But I reckon any of them I'd have been able to do do quite well in because your project is where you get to build up a little bit of a, a barrier depending on how how your general knowledge goes yeah so what was the actual day of filming like so they, they film it in belfast so they fly you out the day before and then you, you go to bed then they film two they film three episodes a day 
two celebrity ones and then a, a civilian one. And so we all go to like a briefing at 10 o'clock and they sit you down and talk you through the rules and make sure you all understand what's going on and, and what have you. And one of the rules is um, not to interrupt the question mm. and, until it's finished, which if I could have done. I'd have gotten like 50 points or something, something insane, because my questions were really, really wordy. And then, you you know, and you get to hang out and meet the other people who are who are on there and see what everyone's about and it's all for charity as well like all, all of our fees went went to charity so everyone's getting like three grand for their their respective charities mm. and you know it's 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 really fun and then you all sit in the hotel bar afterwards and compare and contrast how how it went i think i took it a lot more seriously than than i probably should have done i was there kind of sizing sizing everyone up and being like okay so has he got a history of knowing about Kanye West? And, oh, she's doing Fleabag. And I know for a fact that her and Phoebe are friends in real life. So this could be <laughs> this could be tricky. And I haven't even heard of this guy. So he's a complete unknown quantity. <laughs> um, and if, if you look, when Riyadh does his general knowledge round, he was like the last to go. I, I, I'm just like counting along in my head what his score is. And the more he's getting on, the bigger my smile is getting. And it looks really unsporting, but I'm also really competitive. And I've yeah. already done a couple of other celebrity quiz shows and hardly covered myself in glory. I'd done Eggheads on Pointless prior and been mm. completely shafted by my partner on, <laughs> on Pointless. If you're listening, Chris Hollins, still not over that. <laughs> Name a Doctor Who, Bill Pertwee. Bill Pertwee's in Dad's Army, you idiot. Um, <laughs> and so I thought, I'm on my own this time, so it's all all on these shoulders. And yeah, happy days. It, it went went very well. Made some good friends out of it. And now I've got to go back at some point for the Champion of Champions filming. Oh, that's fun. I know, right? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, and you it, when it went out last, because it went out um, as we are recording last Saturday, that was a repeat. The first time it went out was just after Christmas, and hardly anyone watched it. That's because I didn't even know they did a Champion of Champions one. Yeah, they they do. They don't get everyone back, but they pick kind of their favourite people to come yeah. back and, and take part in it. And they're quite a, a fan of me, because I'm, I'm not you know, they're quite funny. I tick a box, Luke. I tick a box. <laughs> Those diversity numbers won't meet themselves. <laughs> um, I mean, funny if me and Ollie were, were talking about like we would never get onto the celebrity shows um, because because we're not. But if we could, like you know, asking sort of what show would you do? And he said, oh, I'd probably do Celebrity Big Brother. And I was like, No, I'd do I'd do Celebrity Master Chef. That's the one that I'd want to do. And like, you know, it's it's currently on TV at the moment. Are there any? Do you have like a hit list of ones you'd like to do for the celebrity shows? <laughs> Well, there's always kind of you're always in 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 talks with people, and um, my my mother is desperate for me to do Strictly. That that's how she knows I've made it. Is me <laughs> doing Strictly, and she's like, "I'm the only member of this family with with rhythm," and I'm like, "Yeah, but not not much, right?" <laughs> kind of, and it you know, but you know, it, and it, it's fun Strictly. I know for a fact it's good fun because I've had a couple of mates who who've done it before. I don't think I'd do Big Brother because I don't think I'd come out of it 
necessarily covering myself in in glory. I was going to be sort of like the old angry guy. It's like, well, you keep it down. There are people trying to sleep. And I'd walk around correcting people's grammar and stuff. And I'd, just, I'd, I'd be out week one. <laughs> I'd, on the jump, I would probably die. Oh, I'd never do that, mate. No. Absolutely not. No, I'd, if, if, if it ever came to it, and that was the only celebrity show I'd ever get offered, I'd still turn it down because I was like, there's absolutely no way. Like, I can't do anything that's too... Like, that's dangerous stuff, man. Like, that and Dancing on Ice, oh, it won't catch me doing. I, I would never do Dancing on Ice. No. I, I heard somewhere that they offered it one year because it went on hiatus and then came back. Before the hiatus, I, I read a story. I don't know if it's true, but I'm pretty certain it is. They offered Warwick Davis Dancing on Ice. <laughs> I was really not thinking it through. Yeah, yeah. And no, I don't think I could do that because I'm not breaking a bone or something. I'm a celebrity I'd quite like to do just to see if I could. It's a mm. real test of endurance. And from <laughs> what I've heard, the money's insane. I think Noel, oh, Edmund's, yeah. got, and Noel Edmund's got 600 grand. Bloody hell, that's crazy money. He's, he's the highest paid and he was only in it for a week. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's all right for a week's work. Oh, no, yeah, completely. Harry Redknapp got like what, just over half a million? Like, well, you, you, they talk crazy numbers. Scarlett Moffat, the year she won it, was the lowest paid person in there. Wow, was she really? Bloody hell! That's amazing. Like, okay, I mean, before I let you uh, get on with the, the the rest of your evening, I, I, I didn't want to have you on here without talking about the the amazing campaigning work that you've been doing. Mm -hmm. So, uh, please, man, let us know. Like, what what are the current things that you, you're working on? What you've done previously? Yeah, so I'm I'm all about kind of the equality and anti-bullying stuff. So a lot of the stuff I'm working on at the moment is looking at the representation of disability in the film industry, both off and on camera, and how can we get to a place where whilst we're not, whilst I don't want to kind of take away from the art form that is acting, I also want to ensure that if we have disabled characters in films, we're at least auditioning disabled actors and cultivating an environment that has a quality of opportunity and that when disability and disagreement are seen on screen they're not being used as shorthands for pity, villainy, evil and aren't playing into or perpetuating negative negative stereotypes and I, I, I just want to make this world a better place. That's a good I, thing man. I, I want to know that in, in the future if someone like me, is born with a disability or a disfigurement that they can walk into a pub or walk into a job interview and be seen as an equal. Mm. And also, that, that's, that's all this comes down to. I'm all about equality of opportunity, not equality of outcome. Those, those are two very, very different things. And I, yeah. I believe the, the sole responsibility of every human is to leave this world a better place than it was when, when they arrived. A beautiful, beautiful way to put it. Uh, I'm, I'm going to ask you again to, to plug all your, your social media stuff. I know you can't talk about things that you're currently working on because of various NDAs. I mean, you can talk about, you know, poker tournaments and stuff. But uh, where, where can people find you on the old social media? It's the at Adam underscore Pearson on Twitter, Adam underscore Pearson underscore TV on Instagram, and Adam Pearson videos, all one word, on on YouTube. Those are my... Actually, you find out what I'm up to, what I'm doing, and what my thoughts are on 
current world events. Ugh. And the, the Adam Pearson video channel, I believe, has your Mega Man uh, 2 run that you did to to prove me and Ash wrong. Yes, in, indeed. indeed. <laughs> well, I, I had a chat with Ash about it, because what I tell you, I know Ash in, in the real world. And he also follows me on Twitter. And he, he you know, he, he called me out. And as I said, I had work to be doing. and had paid employment going on. But you, you got me to a point where I thought I'm going to take an hour out of my day to thrash <laughs> this out. Straight after that, I did it again a few days later. and did it all in one continue in, I think, 68 minutes. Oh, amazing. Very nice stuff, man. I think actually, I mean, there's a, for anyone who's a bit confused, there's a reference to the other podcast that I do under consultation. And uh, you'd messaged us about Mega Man 2. So I actually laid down the gauntlet and you did it. I think I was I was just editing an episode the other day. I don't think it's been released yet where he challenges you again to something. And I, I'm trying, I'm racking my brain trying to think what it is. But you, you do get you get another challenge thrown. Uh, the gauntlet is thrown down once is it, again. Is it Mario? So I cannot think what it is for the life of me now. I only edited uh, it the other day. I'm very much looking forward to hearing it and, <laughs> and knocking it out of the ballpark. <laughs> Proving him wrong once if again. If it's Dark Souls, I'm going to kill him. Because he knows <laughs> for a fact I've only seen 2% of that game. <laughs> oh, Adam, it was amazing having you on the show. Thank you so, so much for taking the time out uh, to speak with us and be on the podcast. You're a, a true gent, uh, and I was really, really, I loved having you on, man. Thanks for having me, man. It's always a pleasure. Thank you for everything you guys do. And I know you hear it a lot, but you help a lot of people through some really dark times. And it's an honor and a pleasure to be able to call you a friend, Mr. Lucone. Thank you very much, Mr. Adam Pearson. Uh, so that is all we've got time for on this edition of the podcast. Um, we'll be back. Uh, well, Pete and Andy will be back on tomorrow. Your fave, Andy, uh, will be on there tomorrow. <laughs> for the smackdown show uh, and then we've got the bonus uh extreme rules podcast out on monday then it's uh, actually it's not but i was about to say it's business as usual but it's not it's going to be ollie and pete doing raw and aew next week because i am taking a week off uh, so, yeah yeah I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna have to see my parents um but yeah it should be nice now that we're allowed to um so yeah thank you all for listening take care everyone i love you goodbye Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.